Hi, I'm Paul Zara, CEO of the Australian Retailers Association, and welcome to Retail Therapy, a podcast proudly brought to you by American Express. The ARA is Australia's largest and oldest retail association, representing around 7,500 independent national and international members. Each episode, I'll be chatting with a leader in Australia's retail industry right here in the Amex Lounge, including the CEOs of some of the biggest retailers in Australia and across the globe. We'll be finding out what makes them tick, what defines their leadership style, and how they got to the top of their game. So join me for some retail therapy as we ask these questions and more and navigate our way through the retail industry, Australia's largest private sector employer. For more information about the work we do at the Australian Retailers Association, head to our website, retail.org.au. So joining me for some retail therapy today is Anthony Herity, Group Managing Director and CEO of the Super Retail Group, which represents brands such as Super Cheap Auto, Rebel Sport, BCF and MacPac. I had to go and remind myself what BCF is, boating, camping and fishing, not an outdoor person myself. So um, it's always a bit of a challenge in that world. So I'm looking forward to hearing more from Anthony. So Anthony, welcome and thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thank you, Paul. Pleased to be here. And don't worry, we'll make a fish show, fish show of you yet. <laughs> I don't think so, but thank you for trying anyway. You've um, had an amazing career to date, Anthony, and I guess you've gotten to the top of one of Australia's biggest retail companies. But we were interested to find out where it all began. So I'd be interested to hear a little bit about what it was like for you growing up, where you grew up, and a little bit about your, your background. Yes. Okay. Well, it was some time ago, obviously. Um, grew up in Brisbane. Uh, so, uh, and, and living back here now, which is, you know, a bit of a bit of a boomerang. And, uh, my parents own their own small business. Uh, they were a John Deere dealership. So we sort of were in retail by proxy, um, early in my life. So I remember having, you know, boardroom conversations around kitchen tables, around, you know, revenue, overdrafts, banks, lots of discussion around banks, especially in the recession we had to have. Um, so, yeah, got a very early take on all things, you know, customers and stock, et cetera, et cetera, around the kitchen table. And then my very, very first job was uh, at the uh, book department in Maya. So, wow. uh, you know, like everyone, started, uh, started uh, you know, retail career uh, whilst studying to do something else. So, uh, yeah, that was... That was uh, the my upbringing, and you know, pretty pretty simple, um, you know, learning from uh, the family. Well, it's always it's quite an interesting story, and you see many people within the industry in CEO roles actually started off as salespeople on the shop floor and have actually worked their way up. It's one of those very few industries, I believe, where you know education is important, of course, but it's not the ultimate out- outcome. Having that background and that history and that pedigree put you in good stead to run a company, a retail company. So um, all credit to you. That's an amazing um, start and an amazing um, time where you're at now. Uh, so what when you, you think about retail, you said you were studying. This is a really common story we hear of retail leaders not really deciding to make it their uh, career, but they fall, fell into it, actually. So what were you studying to do? So I was doing a, uh, a Bachelor of Business and was a, um, spent the first part of my career in, as a marketing professional. Um, so I have a I have a very eclectic um, background. So you know, worked in retail was at university, left university, and actually went into advertising of all things, and actually had um, quite a good career in advertising. Did some interesting things like um, the big ad for Carlton Draft and Talking Boonies and all this type of stuff. And 
whilst that was great, what I learned by having a career around understanding customers and consumers is pretty late in the piece, actually. It came to be a bit slow. You know, those that have the relationship with the customer own own the commercial outcome. You know, you get enormous leverage. And what attracted me later in my career to sort of get into retail more formally was just that acknowledgement that that's where the action was. Who had the customer had the prize. And, you know, an advertising agency or even a company that manufactures things like, you know, um, Carlton United Breweries, who I worked for for a a while, um, you know, they don't own the customer. It's the person that's actually selling the product to the, the punter in the shop. They're the person that owns the customer. And that's what really attracted me to the industry. You know, it's a, it's a, a real, uh, you know, it's a become a more sophisticated business, but just simply understanding their needs and delivering it to it. That's the, that's the game. And you can only do that if you actually are doing that face to face. Yeah, definitely. So, so you, you clearly your parents running a small business has had an influence on you as a, as a young person uh, in being attracted to the industry. And you've had this very eclectic background, including having the, the marketing uh, component in your early career. How do you think that's helped you in your current role, having that sort of inner uh, understanding of the marketing function? Yeah, I think, look, what's bashed into you in marketing, and it's, as long as you attend the lectures, it does you get bashed into you. And later on in, uh, I think, in your working career is, you know, if you don't understand what's going in the customer's head, you, you go, you, 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 you're not going to be successful for long. Um, and you learn how to do that pretty formally with research, et cetera, et cetera. And I sort of find when you get into a retail environment, too, too often you forget, forget about what's happening where the work is done on the shop floor or on the, web, or on the website or wherever it is. And I think it's just that fixation with customer behaviour that, that sets you up for a good career in retail. You know, if you can figure that out, you can figure anything out. Everything sort of cascades from there. You know, and the problem with customers is that they, you know, they want everything. And our job as retailers is to find a business model that actually gives them everything. And once you figure out that they want everything plus a little bit more, and you've got to figure that out as well. And the minute you lose sight of that as the primary goal, I think that's where the rot starts to set in and you start to start to shift off it. So the big lesson for me was just customer first, second, third, and fourth. Mm. And having that kind of formal training in how to read research and you know, how to get into quant and all that type of stuff sort of gives you a bit of a kick along as well. Yeah, so all that evidence-based sort of decision-making, what the customer actually wants. So um, fantastic. And I guess a lot has changed in the industry since now and then. And when you sort of think about um, your history and your um, time in, in retail, what do you think some of the biggest transformations have been? Yeah, I mean, well, this is why I, I am so fascinated and have such a passion for this industry. It is just a change of thought. I mean, nothing is constant. Um, and, you know, we're arguably, I mean, I sort of, you know, we talk about, you know, the state of retail in, in our company, you know, I've said before, and I think it's right, and this is, we're living through the biggest change in 2000 years, um, you know, where you've got, you know, individual, we've always had, uh, you know, one-on-one relationship with a customer or one-on-many, but to have one-on-one millions of times once at a time mm. i mean that is a huge transformation and you know the introduction of things like you know customer data analytics you know the birth of online the fact that you know customers are sweeping in and out of channels um you know multiple in multiple ways at multiple times you know adds a real complexity and a real depth 
well beyond just simply product price and convenience. Mm. And I think I think it's the, the I think the biggest change is that if you did those three things pretty well, you know, product price convenience, you're going to be successful. Mm. Now that's that's no surety. You know, you've got a whole bunch of other to do lists to add to that in order to be successful. And I think that's super exciting. You know, it's you know because when you've got change and broken play and kind of confusion. That's where you know you find huge opportunity, and I think there's a there's a lot of opportunity out there for really good retailers uh, today. I've always thought that um, you know uh, very much around the the historic nature of retail is very much about having high emotional intelligence because there was such an absence of data. Now it's become much more of a science. It's much more more about that intellectual property that actually allows you to make decisions. And I guess if you can harness both, you you're doing a great job. So um, it's a really interesting way to see that we've talked lots about data in the past, but you know it's been a, it's been at a massive trajectory upwards as, as more and more companies are collecting information, getting to know their customers um, a lot more. So it's 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 very powerful. Oh, it's a good, and I think that's a, a a really valid point because you know if you if you're just running gut feel without data, I think you're going to find yourself up the creek. And if you're if you're running just data with no gut feel. You're equally going to find yourself mm. up the creek because, at the end of the day, you know customers are human creatures uh, with emotions. They don't react completely rationally. We know that, uh, and so having that EQ is entirely, entirely correct. And that's why you know, we big believers in you know omni-channel, like omni-all. You know, it's not just yes. a digital data game. Equally, it's not just a touchy-feely store game. It's both, in equal measure, executed brilliantly. Yes, um, and I think the extremes of both arguments are, are sort of dangerous. Absolutely. Look, I'd like to sort of shift slightly and just talk a bit about leadership. So, um, in, when, you, when you think about um, often um, the CEO's role is is, is we, we, we like to try to demystify in the po- podcast. So, I'm going to ask you a question really around what does a normal day look like for you, and wh- when do you get up, and what's on your agenda? What what what's successful in you know, what does success look like for you when you think about a day, you, given what you have to deal with to get through each day? Yes, it's, it's, it might be, it might be too, we might demystify it too much with this answer. <laughs> um, I, I, look, it's, um, I mean, the great thing is that every day is, as you would expect, completely different. And that brings, a lot, like, if you're up for that, if you're up for the radical nature of uh, every day being a bit of a basket case some days, that can be lots of fun. Uh, if you're not up for it, I think it would scare the bejesus out of you, frankly. But um, I mean, I quite like it being different and dynamic. But yeah, I start early, so I'm up. I'm up very early, um, you know, five-ish, either taking someone to rowing training. Uh, and thankfully, it's winter now, so I'm not doing that, which I'm very pleased. Or I, you know, we've got uh, two dogs, and I go for a long walk, and that for me is I is good thinking time. So it just sort of sets a priority for the day. Um, you know, get a bit up to speed with the news of the day, courtesy of said podcast or ABC radio. Um, and then, you know, after we, you know, phys- either physically or mentally working from home, get to work, I have quite a regimented start. And, you know, first thing first is, you know, you uh, actually check our websites, make mm-hmm. sure, you know, and check competitor websites, so what's going on in the world. Uh, I love reading our, we get, uh, we, do uh, NPS feedback, net promoter scores. Our customers um, write verbatims, lots of verbatims, um, with very poor punctuation, but I forgive them for that. <laughs> and um, I read that every morning. That's, again, just it's good, just right what's going on. Yes. Um, in my role is always pre-read for something. 
Uh, and that's either done the night before or done in the morning, depending on the complexity of the pre-read, because we get to some pretty interesting stuff. There's a review of all the financial results overnight, which is more of a, you know, I think that's more of a psychological thing than anything factual because nothing really happens in a day. And um, and then you you realistically, a day is going to be punctuated by why run things quite mechanically, actually. So you we have a, at Super Retail Group, we have the executive team in COVID, we started meeting daily for a very short period of time just to check in where are we at issue today we've um not turned that meeting off because we found it to be more effective and it meant that we weren't having these super long meetings just droning on mm. we were knocking things over quickly and so that's uh that's the uh the morning and then you know between you know catch up with team members external stuff lawyers you name it all sorts of stuff yeah. that can pop up during the day and then the evening evenings pre-read so it's lots and lots of reading, mm. um, you know, just with, you know, four brands and lots of moving parts, there's inevitably a chunk of stuff that needs to be consumed for the preparation for the next day. And then um, usually year 10 algebra homework at the end. <laughs> well, it's interesting because actually um, it's interesting that you say that part of your morning routine is actually to check the website. I, I guess that's a sort of a big change in the new digital world where it becomes the window to the store. So you're checking that, given that's where most of the eyeballs happen out of hours and uh, as the people start their day. So it's an interesting um, pickup that's part of your routine. You mm. Clearly, uh, you're in this sort of a world of very outdoor, active sport. What exercise do you do? Yeah, so I'm a, as I say, I'm a good walker um, and I'm a, uh, a really poor mountain biker, as my son <laughs> says. So I'm a, uh, I'm a green run and maybe a little bit of blue runs if I get goaded into it, and I'm a uh, I'm a professional driver of children to sport. <laughs> we'll take that on notice. That I think so. Yeah. Look, I'd be interested to understand a little bit. Did um, leadership come naturally to you, and did you always have ambitions to get to be a CEO and to get to the top? Yeah, uh, look, um, I've got to be careful here because a lot of people are going to call me out for making for, for uh, be misleading. Look, I think uh, we have a family trait of telling people what to do, so perhaps it was always innate. Um, to sort of to, to 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 get into get into this type of thing, I was lucky early in my career when I was at CUB. I was given the opportunity for a little while to run the brewery. Um, you know, for a couple of months, we we're in the middle of a project. They said, "Look, just pretend you're running the brewery, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. Had a great boss at the time, and being the MD of you know something that had manufacturing, supply chain, sales, marketing, you know, the whole enchilada. It was just thoroughly exciting, and um, I think I got hooked from that <laughs> point on. What have you learned about yourself since being in a leadership position? Do you think? Um, I I think one of the the tricky things of being in a leadership position is people will, will do what you say, and that can be very dangerous mm. because it assumes that you actually are right. Um, and I think the most powerful thing. A leader can do is actually listen and act on advice as opposed to sprouting it. And, you know, because I think we have a perception that leadership is all about having all the answers and telling people what mm. to do. Um, I think sometimes it's more powerful to do the, the opposite. And that's, I think that's, that you learn that the hard way that, uh, that, um, you know, you're, you may be that you may be the most senior person in the room, but that doesn't make you the smartest. No, true. True. In fact, it usually makes you on the other end of the spectrum. <laughs> well, it's particularly, I think, if you think about the last year that we've all had and the fact it's been a very unusual year and businesses are navigating the post-COVID world, 
What were some of the lessons learned during that period, do you think, and how did the super retail group adapt? Yeah, look, I sort of this. I have these sort of um, flashbacks this time last year, which was all happening. You know, it's sort of what's it, middle of Aprilish, so we were right, right in the right in the middle of it. I think the thing I, I'd kind of like to be ahead of things. I like to sort of think that I got a bit of an idea of what's coming around the corner, and you can kind of prepare yourself for it because then you've got to prepare an organisation for it. The thing that um, COVID taught me is just it, how quickly things can go south and you really have to use your imagination to start building scenarios out to brace yourself for the worst case and then work backwards from there. Now, that's just a style thing. Mm. That's, how I like, I like, that's how I like to sort of think about problems is sort of bottom it out, yeah. scaffold back from there. And, you know, just the speed, the, the need for speed and the need to be um, unequivocal. You know, like we, we made a decision early that we weren't going to shut stores and we didn't. We didn't shut a store unless we were forced to do it. Yes. And we did that because we sort of felt that for our team, we sort of got a belief in our joint that, you know, if you have a motivated team, you've got a motivated customer and so their team's important to us. And so we sort of made a call early and we were just, by being unequivocal, it just took that worry out of the business for those team members. We were able to get to work and that put us in mm. a great position when, when the tide came in. Um, so yeah, probably that was it. Two two lessons. Imagine you know, three. Imagine the worst. Um, you know, use your like really, you know, think carefully about that. Don't muck about. Like you know, we had to, we had to move fast and and be unequivocal. Just and that and and which is I think the tricky thing though is that was great in a crisis. Yes. When you're out of a crisis, those traits can actually be, you know, can can be can can work work against you. Um. So, uh, but it was uh. Um, I wouldn't wouldn't have said it at the time, but in retrospect, I think it was one of the most um, exciting, fascinating, challenging, uh, and almost entertaining periods of my career. I reckon last year it was, um, it was unbelievably um, uh, stimulating, like intellectually, yes. like just the problem. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's almost. I guess the pandemic is devastating, and we didn't want we wouldn't want to wish it upon anybody again around the world. But um, a lot of good things have come out of it. I guess it's in fact the you know we've seen an acceleration of trends through the pandemic in terms of digital innovation. We've seen about a, a decade's worth of um, transformation happen in the space of ten months, as particularly in small business, where small businesses have had to reinvent themselves, themselves and particularly pivot very quickly to an online and omni-channel environment. How is your business transforming to meet the changing needs of consumers? Yeah, it's funny. We we um, were always of the mind that we would get to a you know a sort of a twi- we we thought about the business in terms of a we need to be able to manage a twenty to thirty percent penetration of online you know and that's a different model for us as you know you start to impact how you think about store networks and the like so we were kind of there and this accelerated that. I think what it proved to us is how quickly we could move on things, how we could make better decisions when we were very clear about goals um, and gave us confidence. For us, it was reaffirming because it gave us confidence mm. we were on the right track. Mm. Um, so it, it was like we, uh, we, 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 run water, we ran water through our system. We didn't spring a leak. And we went, oh, wow, look at that. That's working. Um, and you know, we maybe we were kind of more right about this than wrong. We weren't yes. right about everything. And what was really pleasing is where we did spring a leak and things went things went wrong. How quickly and how focused everyone was on, you know, remediating, mm. learning, 
no one getting angry, just get on, fix it, next thing, get on, fix it, next thing. And um, the co- operational confidence it created for the business, I think, just can't be overstated. Because if you can, it's a bit like the, the song, right? You can make it here, you can make it anywhere. Yeah, like you can point. do it. If you can do it under these circumstances, well, under normal circumstances, no excuse. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, it was, it was, look, it was an incredibly challenging times, but, you know, some great, like, you always get some, some silver linings and there is some, some good ones here. Yeah. And I think for Australian retail, you know, we've proved over this period that we can, you know, we can, we can, we can rock it with the best of them. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You've um, you clearly have thought through a lot of what you know, what the good things that have come out of the pandemic, and you've got a very busy day. Um, in when you think about your own agenda as a CEO, um, what keeps you awake at night? Do you get much sleep for a start? Is it something that do you, do you, do you rest well? Do you get four hours, five hours, eight hours? Tell us about your sleep and what keeps you up. Uh, I'm blessed. I sleep like a rock. Great. Uh, there can be some sort of like, like in Queensland, we have these wonderful um, thunderstorms, which <laughs> sort of sound like the end of the world. None of them will ever wake me. Um, and I, I sort of I arguably get sort of the seven, six, seven, eight hours a, a, um, um, a night. The only thing that ever keeps me up is – when I have something unsettled, like where you, like there's always things that worry you, but you go, well, I've kind of got a remedy to that the best I can. Yes. And we'll just work it through. It's where something's unsettled, which is pretty, I'm lucky it's pretty rare. Like it's rare. Um, like I think with these jobs, you've got to compartmentalize and, you know, if you can change it, well, then go to town on worrying about it yeah. and focus your mind. If you can't, well, you know, it is what it is. Mm. And uh, even in the middle of the kind of the, the fun and games last year, um, you know, it is a little bit of, well, worrying about stuff I can't change denies me the ability to focus on the stuff I can. Yes. So, you know, just just put your intellectual horsepower into that and then the rest of it will be what it will be, which was not a great answer, but it was the answer, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. No, good, good advice, good advice. If you were to think about your retail career over again, is there anything you would do differently? Yeah, I... I always think, you know, that it's a, I sort of did a little bit of work on, um, you know, Toyota of all places and they sort of, you know, they, the mantra is you go where the work is done. And I, I, I've always, early in my career, would always love to have spent more time on the shop floor, more time in the DC, you know, like just you cannot, like if you're listening to this and you know, that's where you're at, don't think about that time as being a, a waste. You know, the lessons you learn from, you know, seeing stock arrive on the back dock or the process in which you ticket something or something the way, like they are unbelievable insights that will assist you later in your career. And I was, you know, because I just had a different career path, I was sort of robbed of that real grounding in some of those real, real basics. And, um, you know, going where the work is done is everything. And that's where you really learn how to, you know, make a business swing. And, uh, you know, I'd sort of say that that would be, you know, that would be the, the gap if I could go back and, and redo it. Yes. Um, that would, that would be, that would absolutely be it. If you could give your younger self some advice, what would it be? Oh, I think, I think simplistically it would be, um, the harder you work, the luckier you get. 
you know, like, um, you know, strangely, if you if you pound at the door long enough, someone's going to open it, if, if only to tell you to shut up. Yeah. But at least they'll, they'll open it. Um, and, you know, like for me, it's, 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 you know, you've been given two ears and one mouth and use it accordingly. Like, you know, it's, it's, you know, the, you've got to stay, I suppose, the, the pandemic and also the digital disruption we go through, um, I think has retaught us that we are constantly have to learn. And the minute you close your mind to learning, you miss a trend and you miss something quite big. And so I think keeping, uh, keeping the view that realistically you know nothing, so mm. just keep at it, I think is a, is a, is a good perspective. Don't be too, too quick to call yourself an expert. And on that note, Anthony, what a great spot to, to, to finish up. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for joining us on the Amex Lounge for some retail therapy. Make sure you subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify. We can be found wherever you listen to your favourite podcasts. For more information about the work we do at the Australian Retailers Association, head to our website, retail.org.au. Follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter or Instagram, wherever you love to connect. All the links can be found in the show notes. I can't wait to talk retail therapy with Australia's retail leaders and share these conversations with you, the future leaders, business owners and innovators of the industry. The ARA acknowledges the traditional owners of the land where we have recorded this podcast, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, and we pay our respects to the Elders past, present, and recognise Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders as Australia's first traders, who utilise a sophisticated network of trading paths that have facilitated the exchange of goods, knowledge, and culture for millennia.